Welcome along tonight, check that out, the podcast. Um, thanks for listening. Remember, spread the word, tell your friends, and uh, let's get into it. Today, I'm talking to Rahul Patil from Sports Freak New Zealand. India has won the 2023 ICC World Cup in front of 130,000 adoring fat. What do you mean they did? Hang on. Australia won? Really? Uh, Rahul, tell me, what happened? Yep, Australia have won their sixth world title in the ODI format and not going to plan at all for India in Ahmedabad last night. It was all looking like it was destiny. Um, all the performances all the way through, they won every single game. Virat was getting hundreds on his birthday, on Diwali. Surely it was meant to be. What, what do you think happened? Um, yeah, it's a long story. I mean, you're right in saying that uh, this was not the plan. Uh, the fairy tale ending would have been the fact that they won 11 out of 11, went into the tournament, finished it unbeaten, and uh, picked up a world title on their way. But um, uh, such is life and such is cricket that uh, you can have 10 good days, but um, on the day that it mattered the most, um, they fell apart. And um, there's a few reasons. I mean, um, with the batting, with the bowling. Um, I'd just like to start by saying that sometimes in life, when you want something really badly and you put all your energies into it, uh, it's like when you go to the beach and you have fine sand and you try and grasp that sand and close your fist and firmly try to hold it in your hand and it keeps slipping through your fingers. And um, with India in the last few uh, ICC tournaments, at least we've seen that happen quite a bit. Um, you know, they play real good cricket to come to the semis and the finals and just don't seem to have that edge or X factor that you need in a final situation or they just um, uh, completely uh, collapse like like a bit like what happened yesterday. And uh, yeah, it's a bit of nerves, a bit of bad decision making. But I think most of all, it was panic and um, yeah, which led to the downfall. Yeah, the India has never struck me as being a nervous side. Um, confidence has, has never seemed to be an issue, and they always play um, with a certain confidence. But, um, yeah, it just it, it didn't go to plan yesterday. I mean, it was an amazing occasion with such a huge crowd. And um, at the start of the game, when India went off like a firecracker, um, the, the atmosphere, I mean, I was only watching it on TV, but you could hear the noise that was coming through and... Um, but it, it, it was amazing that as the game turned, that fervent crowd atmosphere just seemed to disappear completely. Yeah, you're right. Like, um, look, Rohit Sharma um, has been phenomenal at the top of the innings for India. And like he did in every other game, he got them off to an absolute flyer. Um, the thing is, that high-risk um, approach of his is fraught with danger. So you are going to get times when he's going to play... Uh, look stupid playing a high-risk shot and get out. Um, uh, fantastic catch, but Travis said, I mean, what a catch. Uh, you know, it's one of those catches where um, the more you watch it on replays, the better it keeps getting, you know. Yeah. Um, but to do that in front of 120,000 people and silence the crowd was just phenomenal. But I think somewhere when those when they were three down and Kohli and KL Rahul got together and started stitching up a partnership, I think somewhere at the back of their mind, they forgot the aggressive approach that had been successful for them all tournament. 
and especially KL Rahul seemed to go into a shell a bit. You know, he took a long time to even find singles on that wicket. Yeah, the boundaries were difficult. It wasn't the best of wickets. It was slow. It was low. Um, and the ball wasn't coming onto the bat. But surely um, you can pick up singles. And um, the I saw a stat wherein Mitch Maas and Travis had bowled four overs for nine runs. Now you cannot let the fifth and the uh, sixth and the seventh bowler, not even the fifth and the sixth, the sixth and the seventh bowler get away for four overs uh, for nine runs. And um, there was a bit of tinkering with that lineup also because uh, Surya Kumar Yadav, who's designated to come in at number six, was held back for some reason. And uh, Ravi Jadeja was sent ahead of him. Now, I do know that they probably thought a left-right combination at that stage might might do the trick. Um, but once again, in a big game, it's tinkering with your batting order. And I don't think that worked out really well. Um, 240 was below par. You know, it 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 was about 30 runs short of what the par score on that surface would be. I think it was a 270, 275 kind of surface. Um, and uh, once you got a below par score, you're always going to be chasing your tail right throughout. That's right. Um, and I think also what was interesting was the mantra of this tournament so far has been to bat first. Whatever the conditions, bat first. So it was very brave of Pat Cummins having won the toss, to put India in. I thought that was very, very interesting and, and, and a really ballsy call. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, they read the pitch brilliantly, you know. Um, and I think um, they were helped by the fact that when they played India in Chennai, they had a similar surface. And they batted first that time. They only got 199. They had India down three wickets for two runs. But still, because of the dew and the lights coming on, uh, the pitch got better and better to bat on as the day went by. And they realized that and they said, okay, and they learned from it. And they said, next time we come up against a pitch like this, we're not going to get scared that this is going to turn square in the second inning. We actually go to bowl first. And uh, yeah, uh, and but choosing to do the right thing was a big part of it. But actually executing that uh, on the biggest stage of them all is something else. And all their bowlers, Stark included, Hazelwood, Captain Cummins himself, uh, Adam Zampa, and uh, Glenn Maxwell, what a revelation. You know, all of those five guys really put their hand up when it mattered most. And um, that's a sign of a champion team. When Kamidar, they deliver. You know, they know how to win big moments. And um, yeah, they, it was yet another fantastic bowling performance by them. Yeah, it's, it's almost in the Australian sporting DNA to... Uh on the big occasion, on the big stage, to just step up, whether it's cricket or even rugby as well. Um, they just find that bit of steel and a bit of metal as well. I, I was a bit... I mean, there was a lot of people getting very excited at the end of the Indian innings, um, saying, oh, my God. And you're right, 240 was below par. It was, as you say, a 270-280 pitch. Um, but I did remind people, and I put it on Twitter, that... Um, England skittled India for 230 and still managed to lose by over 100 runs. So even at that stage, I was thinking, hang on, guys, don't get excited, don't get ahead of yourselves. And then I think when um, uh, Virat took that catch to dismiss Warner and the crowd went absolutely crazy, that, and I certainly thought at that point, well, um, yeah, it's... Uh, we know what's going to happen here. This, you know, the, the prediction is going to happen in the most incredible way. 
Yeah, no, you're right. Um, just another subtle thing that they kind of changed in a big game is right throughout this tournament, they've opened with Bumrah and Siraj. But yesterday, for some reason, they chose to go with Shami. Now, there's two reasons the team does that. Is, and this is my reading of it, that they knew that they didn't have enough on the board and they knew they had to pick up early wickets. So they thought, who can we go to who's going to give me early wickets? Well, let's go to the guy who got seven in the last game in the hope that he's going to continue that form and give me more wickets in this game. Now, you've got to remember, that's also sending a message to Siraj that's saying, we don't think you're good enough to bowl with this new ball. We don't think you are capable of getting us those wickets. Shami is more capable than you. So I found that quite bizarre and that too on a big stage like a final. As we saw it, yes, Shami did pick up a wicket. But he sprayed that new ball all over the place. Bumrah went for 15 in his first over. That is not the Bumrah we know. Uh-huh. You know, Shami sprayed that ball everywhere. Yes, he got that uh, wicket, but Warner would be really disappointed with the shot. It was way wide, and it would have been called wide if he had left it alone. Um, and India picked a couple after that. Mitch Marsh, poor shot again. Short, wide outside off stump, could have really let it go. Went for a big cut outside off stump, got the nick. And Stephen Smith got beautiful delivery by Bumrah to fox him, um, but was struck outside the line of the off stump. So if he had reviewed it, um, that wouldn't have been a wicket. So India picked up three wickets for, and they have 40 odd. They had Australia 40 odd for three, but all those wickets came out of errors by the batters rather than some great deliveries or something like that. Um, and that's the crux of it that, you know, as I said, uh, the more desperate you go trying for wickets, the more further those wickets keep going away from you because all you need to do in a situation like that is be patient, bowl good lines, bowl good lengths. And in an attempt to kind of uh, blow the Australians out of the park, they kind of spread that white ball everywhere and which didn't help. Now, the other interesting stat, Jadeja came in as first change, Kuldeep comes in as second change, Siraj only comes to bowl over number 17. And in the first 36 overs, Siraj had bowled three. So, you know, it's just like you made this game into a four-game, a four-bowler game. Um, you basically reduced Mohamed Siraj to a non-starter. And this is the same Mohamed Siraj who not so long back in that Asia Cup final against Sri Lanka got a six for bowling beautiful outswingers with the new ball. And uh, I just found that really bizarre that on a big stage and all at the back of Rohit Sharma saying, we're not going to change anything. We're just going to treat it like another game. Uh, but when that pressure was on, I think they made some poor choices. Now, I found it really strange. You mentioned Steve Smith's dismissal. I just don't get why he didn't take it upstairs because, as you say, it was... Uh... It would have clearly gone in his favour if he had done so. I just I don't get why. And and you had they had reviews in the bag as well. Just why didn't he do it? Yeah, so I've got a theory for that. Uh, Steve Smith is such a genius that um, and geniuses are fraught with um, brain fades or mind lapses every so often. Um, I know of a scientist who apparently designed a mousetrap or something. So he made a door for the mouse to come in and then he made another door for the mouse to go out um, without thinking that the mouse could use the same door to go in and out. Um, Steve Smith's a bit of a scientist like that. You know, he's so lost in his own game and his own thoughts and he's such a brilliant batsman 
that um, I think he forgets sometimes that, um, and and I think his partners to be blamed as well because I clearly saw him have a conversation with Travis Head and saying, "What do you think?" And I think Travis Head gave him the marching orders and said, "I think that's plumb, mate." So the only <laughs> discussion I think Travis Head asked him is, "Did you hit it?" And Steve said, "No, nah, I didn't. I missed it. He said, if you missed it. You out, mate." And um, off he went. But um, yeah, one of those moments where. Um, when he sat in the dressing room, he'd be gutted. And if Australia had lost this game... Oh, my just God. Imagine, just oh, yeah. imagine Steve Smith being Steve Smith and sitting there thinking, jeez, I should have it. <laughs> but Travis had made up for it. Um, a glorious innings. Um, uh, 100 in a World Cup final. Doesn't get any better, does it? Nah. And um, not the first time that he's delivered on the big stage. Um, not so long back, we played Australia. Uh, when I say we, India played Australia... <laughs> Uh, you're test- a Kiwi now, mate. <laughs> I know. <laughs> in a World Test Championship final, and it was Mr. Head who got 163 in the first innings of that test uh, and one man of the match there as well. Um, so, yeah, he's a uh, he's a real uh, cricketer. He reminds me a lot of Virendra Sehwag uh, just because of the way he plays. He's got this um, habit of staying inside the line of the ball, doesn't really get in line. He likes room outside the off stump. And... Um, He's got fantastic hand-eye coordination and he's got the gift of timing. When he hits them, they stay hit. I saw a couple of sixes that he hit last night. It's not a small ground, Ahmedabad. And they went about 20 rows back and that just shows you that, uh, you know, he's a serious, serious batter. Uh, If you don't get him quickly, he's going to hurt you. And uh, that's exactly what happened. He was very lucky. Indians had him in all sorts of trouble with the new ball. Uh, but once he survived that period, obviously, um, there was no stopping him. No, that's right. That's right. And a word also about um, Rahul Dravid. Um, his coaching and his management of this team, he's, he's, he's very much been in the background, which I think has helped. And the spotlight has been held by you know some of the big-name players. But um, I think Dravid's definitely had an impact on this team. Yeah, he's... Um... He's very understated. Um, even in his playing playing days, you know, he used to do his job and he used to uh, always grow up in the shadow of the great Sachin Tendulkar and uh, was never in. Uh, you know, he was a brilliant batter himself, but uh, I think Sachin got all the limelight in that kind of era. Um, but yeah, he's a very very humble person. Um, once he finished playing, he kind of went and worked a lot with the under nineteen side and the India A side because. Um, he said, my mission in life is not to be India coach, but to provide India with the next uh, generation of players. And uh, did a brilliant job, won a under-19 World Cup for India also with the with the boys there. Um, yeah, and he was criticized a lot because, you know, when India got absolutely spanked by England in that T20 World Cup semi-final, uh, Dravid came under a lot of criticism. Um, even before this World Cup, there was a lot of chopping and changing, experimentation going on. You know, he was trying out a whole lot of different players. And um, people were raising a lot of uh, eyebrows and pointing a lot of fingers. But I think he knew that there was a method to his madness. And uh, when the tournament came, India basically played the same 11 throughout. Except for the fact that they lost Hardik Pandya halfway through. And then Mohamed Shami came, which turned out to be a blessing in disguise anyways for India. Um, but he's, he, and I think personality-wise, he and Rohit Sharma are the right fit. I don't think he would have been the right fit with Kohli. 
but with Rohit Sharma, uh, both of them are very cool, calm, and Rohit's a real laid-back person. Um, so yeah, they're, they're a good jail. You know, it's a bit like Stokes and McCallum. You know, they're both the kind of marriage made in heaven, and uh, a good coach-captain combination works really well. So no, he's done a great job. Um, his contract's finished. I just read the other day. I didn't even know that. Um, so today is the last day of him as India coach in the sense that now discussions will start between him and BCCI whether he wants to continue or what happens in that space. Um, but uh, yeah, so with this campaign ends his contract and India is due to play a series in three days' time against Australia, a T20 series. So we don't know. Crazy who the coach scheduling. Is <laughs> so we don't know who the coach is going to be though, <laughs> for that series. Well, it's been, it's been quite a year um, for these two great cricketing nations. Um, I was at uh, the Oval uh, at the start of the English summer um, for the World Test uh, Championship final between uh, India and Australia. An amazing occasion. Um, it was a gloriously hot day, very unusual in this country, but um, also a, a hot week. The whole the whole occasion was 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 really hot and and fantastically supported as well. It was a bit more of a, a mixed crowd than we saw at Aminabad. Um There were plenty of vocal Indians, but lots of Aussies as well, because I, I guess there's lots of Australians living in London, but they, they like to travel as well. Um, but there again, Australia edged India to to win the title. It's not been a bad year for Australia. They started the you know with winning that, then they retained the Ashes against England and finished the year by lifting the... World Cup, it's it's good times for Australians. Yeah, and if you just go back a little while, they won the Ashes at home and they won the T20 World Cup in 2021 when it was held in the UAE as well. So apart from that T20 World Cup, which was held in Australia last year, where they didn't make it to the semi-finals, um, it's, been a, it's been a great ride for them. Um, even the coach of the Aussies, Andrew McDonald, very, very understated and um, stays in the shadows. You know, he's not this. He's not the Justin Langer who comes out and and kicks trash cans and and throws bottles of water around. But uh, yeah, uh, he clearly gets the job done. Um, there are lots of questions raised about Pat Cummins's uh, captaincy um, over the years, but um, I think he's put all those debates to rest now with these back-to-back world titles. Um, yeah, so uh, really. Um, yeah, and as I said, you know, as soon as they smell the fact that they're in with a chance, you can never count them out. The world knows that they are in knockout tournaments or in knock in the knockout stages of any tournament. Um, if there's one team you do not want to face, it's Australia <laughs> because you know they're going to they're going to come up with some aces up their sleeves. So, yeah, no, they're a phenomenal team. They are, and just now that it's all over, um, and all the Posters come down and all the fireworks are put away and all the rest of it. Um, what are your thoughts on looking back as this tournament over overall? Has it been a success? What's been good? What's been bad? Um, yeah, look, when the whole thing started, and I guess it didn't start on a very good note because um, the first things first, the scheduling came out really late. You know, uh, for a tournament of this magnitude. Um, and for people like myself who came all the way from New Zealand, we wanted the schedule so that we can start booking our flights accommodation because the longer you wait, obviously things start getting more and more expensive. Um, so not the best as far as scheduling. Then it came out and then it was changed again. So that was a nightmare. Um, some of the, the ticketing has been shambolic. 
from what I gather. I've been to all the places and all the grounds. And just the fan experience with the whole ticketing thing has been absolutely shambolic. Um, the outfield in Dharamshala, you know, we saw games in Dharamshala where the outfield was quite poor. They have been affected badly by the weather. So I can understand. But then it's not like uh, the BCC couldn't find another place to have those matches, you know, if they had a problem. But clearly, they stuck to the fact that they wanted to have games there. Um, so all of that has been pretty, pretty poor in terms of administration and management. But um, on the other hand, uh, there's been accusations of the fact that the BCCI is, um, uh, the Indian team is bowling with different balls compared to some of the other teams. There's been accusations of pitch doctoring and there's been accusations of uh, toss fixing now uh, against India as well. And I was so glad that Rohit Sharma lost the toss yesterday. <laughs> I said at least we'll put to rest all those accusations of toss fixing and this and that. Um, I think um, they might be incompetitive, incompetent, but uh, to question their integrity um, is not fair and it's uncalled for. Um, you know, yes, they did get a few things wrong. Um, and the on-field action took a bit of time to get going. We didn't get those closed games that we uh, got so often in 2019. So, But then I think that is also a sign of um, the difference between the teams um, has increased so much now um, that when you get one-sided games, you got really horribly one-sided games. Um, but then there were some amazing success stories. Look at Afghanistan, look at Netherlands, uh, you know, um, such beautiful um, stories uh, of those two nations. Um, you um, Nobody picked the Kiwis to make it to the semifinals. And yet, once again, come semifinal time, there was one familiar name there called New Zealand. Um, Pakistan were mercurial, as they always are. Um, yeah. Like Nasser Hussain says, one moment up, next moment down. And then up again. Um, uh, so, yeah, there were glimpses of brilliance. We had that fantastic 200 by Glenn Maxwell on one foot. Um, to, <laughs> I think that was to, innings to of the win. tournament, wasn't it? Absolutely. I mean, to win a game against Afghanistan. So that was there. Uh, we had that game where the Black Caps almost pulled off the impossible by chasing down 388 that Australia set them and came within a shot of winning that. Um, so, yeah, the tournament has had its um, ups and downs. and But uh, through all of it, we saw some good cricket as well. Lots of new stars on the horizon. So, you know, the future looks really good. Um, none bigger than Rachin Ravindra. Um, uh, 300s, over 500 runs. I mean, what a... And all from a guy who, if Michael Bracewell had been fit, wouldn't have been in this World Cup. Yeah, that's right. In the first place, you know. So, talk about fairy tale stories and and uh, real romantic stories uh, that was that was so yeah we've had some fantastic highlights i think it was a great tournament overall and um i think you have to you know part of the the chaos is how is holding the, the these tournaments in different places you know you know that if it's going to be in england it's going to be efficient and all the rest of it well managed and you have to accept that it's part of the dna of india that certain things are going to happen that way my only um criticism would be that the length of it it was six weeks um 
48 games. Now, I like the format. I like the fact that everyone played everyone else. So even if you were the small team, you would get to mix it with the big boys. But I think it could have been made more efficient. It could have been the time could have been cut down. But the simple fact of having two games a day, particularly in the early stages, because you would have cut it down, you'd have made it a little bit more intense, you'd have increased the pressure a little bit. There's no need to just have one game a day, um, particularly on a country that's so big and the the venues are so spread out. And everywhere has multi-channels, so you can still watch whatever game you want. That's my, yeah. only, my only thing. No, I tend to agree with you. And uh, even going one step further, I would actually like all the teams to be in Mumbai and play games over there then the whole thing moves to pune which is the next stage and play games there and then all of them move to bangalore and then they play their games there whoever needs to play whoever and then they move to chennai which is close by again and do it so that it is so fan friendly and media friendly as well because right now i tell you i was trapezing all over the country literally <laughs> um so i started off in ahmedabad went to hyderabad then down to chennai up to dharamshala down to pune then to bangalore then to mumbai for the semi so uh, yeah from a logistical point of view it was a nightmare to kind of just um, so yeah maybe if we had use your idea of two games a day and my idea of keeping all the teams in one venue or maximum spread them across two venues yeah so that you know you they're not playing across uh, 10, 15 different venues like this. It's just, um, and they did that brilliantly during the T20 World Cup in Australia. So when you went to Melbourne, you got three or four games, then you moved on to Adelaide and you got three or four games, and then you went to Brisbane and you got three or four games. So it was kind of done in that fashion. Uh, but yeah, as you said, the length of it could uh, be cut down. Yeah. Yeah. So you, now you've got a journey back home to New Zealand. Uh, what's next in store for, for Rahul? Um, well, I hope something big after this. <laughs> um, I, I, I have been freelancing uh, to three or four different outlets uh, while I've been here. And uh, the New Zealand home uh, summer is coming up of cricket. So we've got uh, South Africa and we've got Australia coming this year for test matches. So two tests each versus South Africa and Australia. And then we've got uh, white ball cricket with... Uh, Pakistan and uh, Bangladesh and um, a bit of Australia in the mix as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of cricket coming up at home. I'm looking at getting hopefully a commentary gig doing either radio um, back home. Um, I will still be writing. I'll still be doing podcasts. Um, I started doing a couple of podcasts with some local radio stations back home and they've been really good. Um, so, yeah, um, I set myself a goal that maybe in about six months time i'll say thank you very much to my daytime full-time job with anz uh, they've been really really good but um this is where my life and i see myself and my passion is so would love to do this full-time so if there's anybody out there in the uk who likes the way i speak and <laughs> you know uh give me a shout and i'd love to do something and collaborate in some way or the other um but yeah that's that's what is in store for me now well, of course, and if anyone's interested and is listening to this or even watching it on YouTube, uh, get in touch by the comments, uh, and I will put you in touch with Rahul. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's make this guy's dream come true. Rahul, been fantastic talking to you today. Always a pleasure. And um, I guess we'll have to catch up with you in the New Zealand summer, and uh, we'll pick uh, an interesting game or series that's going on, and uh, we'll get you to report back from there. 
Awesome, Darren. Like always, it's been a pleasure. Go well. And I see the sun shining pretty brightly outside your window at the moment, at least. So hope it's not a very cold day. <laughs> <laughs> if it's sunny at this time of year, that means it's cold. <laughs> but go back and enjoy the New Zealand summer and we'll catch up soon. Thank you. Thank you.